0: Welcome back to Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to unraveling the complexities of financial topics. I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Pellegrini, and I'm so sorry that I missed out on the last episode where I believe Jake and Nikki gave an update on student loan repayment, at least for federal loans, since that's really complicated right now. And kind of as with most things in the past year, there's a lot of things up in the air with student loans but the moratorium on payments and interest will expire in January. So make sure to check out that episode if you haven't, if you have student loans.
1: And I'm Jake Hamilton. This week, we're going to try to cover one of the most complicated financial topics out there, which is insurance, auto insurance, home insurance, renter's insurance, health insurance. There are many different types of insurance and each seat that have their own rules. Uh, it can be overwhelming and sometimes expensive. So this is why we are taking the next two episodes of this podcast to do a little mini series and try to provide some clarity on this necessary but confusing topic. So this is a big topic, and I'm sure we're not going to get to everything under the sun here, uh, but we'll try and get as much information to you as possible.
2: And I'm Nikki Giancola-Shanks. As Jake mentioned, we're kind of going to do a little mini series. So on today's episode, we will focus on some basic insurance terms that everyone should know. And then we'll move on to talk about a few of the many different types of insurance. Namely, we'll focus on auto, home, renters, and life insurance. Our next episode will be completely dedicated to health insurance.
0: I think one of the important things to note here is that insurance is a financial tool to protect you against financial risks. As Nikki kind of alluded to by listing the types of insurance we're going to talk about, there are many different types out there obviously, and there are many types of risks in our lives that insurance can help protect against if something were to happen. To help us with this topic, we've invited an expert from Illinois Department of Insurance to be on the show today. So Patrice Desir is Deputy Director of Consumer Education and Consumer Protection for the Illinois Department of Insurance. Patrice, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the Department of Insurance?
3: Thank you so much for having me. I can say that I agree with you that insurance is definitely one of the most complicated financial topics. And that is why it is important. That is why I'm happy to be here today and and why it is important for consumers to know that there is a state agency, the Illinois Department of Insurance that is dedicated to serving consumers' needs by providing assistance and information and by efficiently regulating the insurance industry in Illinois. We work to ensure all insurance companies obey state insurance laws, and we investigate complaints about companies and agents. We have knowledgeable staff at the department that can speak to consumers one-on-one about any of the complex topics we discussed today.
1: That's great. Thank you, Patrice. And we're really happy to have you here today. Uh, so to start off, um, I am just going to explain a little bit overall how basic insurance in general, not any specific type, but like any kind of insurance, like what it is and what it does. Um, so insurance is is a way to protect yourself in case something goes wrong, like in case something horrific goes horrifically wrong. Uh, and the way that insurance does that is by pooling risk. So what that means is that people split the costs to share risk. Obviously, you know, if something bad can happen to one person, that person doesn't want to pay for all of the damages of something bad happening. But if you have a much larger group of people, something bad isn't going to happen to all of them. So if they all pay a small amount to protect themselves against risk, then the individual who that bad thing happens to doesn't end up having to pay for the entire cost of all the damages. So you do have to pay for your, the benefit of insurance normally through a premium, which we'll kind of get into these terms later, or a deductible, but you pay a small amount up front to then cover bigger costs in case anything were to happen. So, let's say for example, your home catches on fire and you lose your home and most of your belongings. Without insurance, this would be a very significant financial loss. Uh, It could cost you tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to replace these things. Even if it was just your closet that caught on fire, you could imagine how much it would cost to replace your entire wardrobe. It'd probably be thousands of dollars. But with insurance, if you're pooled with a large enough group of people, uh, even when your house catches on fire, you can be pretty certain that All the houses in the pool of insurance aren't going to catch on fire at the exact same time. So your insurance group pools money so that when something happens to you individually, like your house catching on fire, you only pay a small amount to be able to take out of that pool of risk money. So you pay like a premium, for example, it might be $100 or $200 a month for your home insurance. And then you would later pay a deductible to be able to take money out and cover the entire cost. So something that could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars, like a, like a fire or like a home fire, may end up only costing you your monthly premium plus a, a small deductible, whether that's $500 or $1,000.
0: I think just to kind of give people a scope of the cost of insurance, it may not be as much as $100 a month. If you are only doing renter's insurance, for instance, which will cover this kind of example that Jake talked about, it may be only as much as $25 a month. And I think that's important since a lot of the people that I talked to do don't have homes, like they don't own homes. But they do yeah, this. I was just you trying to do. throw out.
1: Yeah. I know. I know what you mean, Andrea. I was just trying yeah. to throw out random numbers uh, for like the, maybe the potential cost of home insurance, but insurance costs like different, uh, all different types of insurance cost different amounts of money. You know, renters is cheaper than home insurance and auto insurance probably falls somewhere in between that. But, um, I was just trying to throw out, you know, numbers for the example.
0: I appreciate it. It just made me think about like, sticker shock that some people might get about that. But it's always good to comparison shop. And I'm sure we can talk about comparison shopping in another episode.
2: So one of the things that is so confusing about insurance is that the industry seems to have their own language. So no matter what type of insurance you're talking about, there's some terminology that remains consistent throughout. Jake kind of mentioned a few of those terms before. So let's define some of those now. To start off, Patrice, what is a premium?
3: Well, I will say you all are doing a great job, actually, on your own of defining these terms. A premium is simply the amount of money an individual or a business pays for a policy. That could be a health care policy, auto, home, or life insurance. Premiums can be paid quarterly, monthly, or semi-annually, depending on the policy And shopping around is the absolute best way to find an affordable premium.
0: I agree. I'm loving the shopping around point, Patrice. So another thing that Jake mentioned was a deductible.
3: How would you describe what that is? Sure. A deductible is an amount paid by the insurance policy holder before an insurer will pay any expenses. One of the technical terms you might hear is out of pocket. A deductible simply means that it's money you have to pay from your own funds before an insurer pays.
1: And Patrice, one of the other terms that people often hear when they're thinking about insurance or maybe insurance coverages uh, is liability. Could you talk about what liability refers to?
3: So liability pays for injuries or damage to other people's property, but not the policy holder's injuries or property. So consumers should realize that important fact. When you purchase liability coverage only, for example, for your auto insurance policy, you are covering damage to another person's car. Damage to your car is not covered on that policy.
0: Thank you, Patrice. I am excited now to kind of talk about the different types of specific insurance. So what does auto insurance cover
2: specifically, Patrice?
3: Auto insurance is a contract between you and the insurance company that protects you against financial loss in the event of an accident or theft. And I'm going to emphasize the contract language, and this simply means that your the policy that you hold will specify all of the contract terms. And in so, exchange for paying a premium, the insurance company agrees to pay your losses as outlined in your contract or policy.
1: Okay, thank you, Patrice. So some of those contract terms uh, might be, especially in, in relation to auto insurance, are like bodily liability, property liability, and collision coverage that are all a part of auto insurance. Could you explain what those refer to?
3: Sure. So these terms are pretty closely related to what they actually mean. So bodily liability covers costs associated with injuries or death that you or another driver causes while driving your car. The property liability reimburses others for damage that you or another driver operating your car causes to another vehicle or other property, such as a fence, a building, a utility pole. And collision reimburses you for damage to your car that happens as a result of a collision with another vehicle or another object, like a tree, a guardrail, when you're at fault. Collision coverage also covers damage from potholes or from rolling your car. However, it will not reimburse you for mechanical failure or normal wear and tear on your car.
2: So that's interesting because I know that sometimes the pothole thing like I know in Chicago when my husband lived there he actually got additional coverage I believe for potholes as well to make sure that he was covered since where he was living there there seemed to, to be an excessive amount <laughs> But do the anyway. potholes
0: in Chicago sometimes uh count towards some other type of hazard? Because they're huge. <laughs> it's like a
2: valley. <laughs> that is true. Cause I'm trying to think. Maybe it wasn't special pothole. Maybe it was just because I, I basically I know he hit like he had car yeah. damage from one. So yeah, maybe it was just something else. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> off topic. Anyway. And you,
3: you bring up an important. Um, an important point, though, there is never any harm in asking
0: the insurance
3: company you're dealing with a question like, does my policy cover potholes in Chicago? There's no harm ever in asking for clarification about this contract that you are entering into.
2: That is a great point. People, I think, get nervous when it comes to to asking questions, but you should, you should ask, even if there's no such thing as a stupid question, right? Absolutely.
1: Ask. Yeah. And all, while we're on the subject of auto insurance, different types of coverage, I'll add one more. There's also comprehensive coverage, which you might get on your auto insurance policy, which can cover random acts that might do damage to your car. So like a hailstorm or a tree falling on your car uh, would be something under comprehensive coverage. So that's another thing that you might want to ask your insurance uh, agent about when you're shopping around.
2: And now would be a good time to let our listeners know that in another life, Jake sold insurance. So he does have a lot of knowledge on the subject as well. Uh, That's true. All right. So when it comes to auto insurance premiums and rates, I know that it's not The same rate for everybody. So, what can factor into the costs of a premium or a rate for consumers, Patrice?
3: There are a lot of factors. They include state requirements, age, your car's make or model, high risk violations, your yearly mileage, your credit history, your driving record, your zip code, marital status, and gender.
0: Makes me so upset that gender is included there. But, I mean, there's a lot of statisticians working on the risk factors to determine what insurance costs. Um, To kind of switch gears a little bit, Patrice, what are the legal requirements for auto insurance in the state of Illinois?
3: So any motor vehicle registered and operated in Illinois must be covered by liability insurance, which again covers property damage or injuries you may cause others in an accident. For more specific information about the minimum coverage required for drivers, you can talk to your insurance agent or visit the Illinois Secretary of State's website at ilsos.gov.
0: We'll make sure to put a link in the chat for, or in the the show notes, not the chat. We're not doing this in real time, Um, just for anyone that was listening so they can check out what the minimum requirements are. But minimum doesn't mean it's going to cover what your risk is. So that's important to remember from a financial planning perspective.
2: That is a great point, Andrea. And just to put another little tidbit in, because Illinois does have this legal requirement for auto insurance, that is why I highly recommend that you keep your auto insurance card on you in case something does happen when you're driving. Um, So either in your wallet, or I know for me personally, my mom had it drilled into me from the time when I was 16, I have one in my wallet and then one in the glove compartment of my car. So that way, no matter what, my insurance card is on me.
1: Yeah, it's very important to keep your insurance card on you so you know what kind of coverage you have uh, if you're ever in an accident or a hairy situation. But let's move on to a different type of insurance, homeowners and and renters insurance. Patrice, could you talk about the main difference between what these two types of things cover?
3: Homeowners insurance covers the actual building people live in and associated structures like garages and personal property. Renter's insurance covers personal property, not the building.
2: That was a great great way to put it, but can we, um, can you give us maybe some more examples of what homeowner insurance covers versus what rendered insurance covers?
3: Sure. Homeowner's insurance policies generally cover destruction and damage to a residence's interior and exterior, the loss or theft of possessions, and personal liability for harm to others. The coverage varies between insurers, but it generally covers events such as fires, lightning strikes, wind storms, and hail. Again, renter's insurance covers personal belongings against specific events such as fire or theft. Typical coverage includes damage from fire, lightning, explosion, vandalism, theft, and water-related damage from property utilities. It also covers personal liability for harm to others. And it's important to note that many policies do not limit protection to home-based situations. So, for example, items you have insured often are covered if they are stolen by someone who breaks into your car or if they are damaged while not on your property. I think
0: probably an important thing to really reiterate here with regards to Homeowners versus renters insurance. If you're someone who rents but does not have renters insurance because you assume that the property you live in is insured, your landlord is only insuring their property. They're not insuring your personal property. So that's the value of renters insurance so that you can replace your wardrobe or your computer or your couch if something gets flooded or starts on fire or whatever other catastrophe might happen. So I just wanted to make that clear. I know that when it comes to homeowner's insurance, there are some things that are specifically not covered that might surprise people. Can you talk a little bit about what might not be covered under homeowner's insurance, specifically Patrice?
3: That's a really important question. Those policy exclusions include earthquakes, and flooding. I'm going to say that again.
2: <laughs> flooding
3: is excluded. So these require specialized insurance and can be purchased separately. Other exclusions include mine subsidence, termite and insect damage, bird or rodent damage, rust, rot, mold, and general wear and tear.
0: The listeners can't hear me, but um, or see, oh, they can hear me, but can't see me. But my eyes got big when Patrice said flooding. I
2: mean, so, like my my eyes went big. I mean, flooding, yes, but also earthquakes. Like earthquakes. I was like, so,
1: so uh, in California. maybe Patrice, and you can jump in here if you'd like. I, I'll try to maybe expound on this. But so with like the earthquake, earthquake and flooding. If you think about like what I was talking to at the beginning of uh, of the episode, where insurance tries to protect like individuals against risk to individuals. It does that by pooling all of this money together so that if something happens to one person, it's not likely to happen to the whole group of people who are insured together. So with flooding and earthquakes, you can imagine these are catastrophes that hit large geographies. So when they happen, they affect a large number of people all at one time. So if there's flooding due to the, the Mississippi River flooding, for example, that can hit entire towns all along the Mississippi River. If an earthquake hits Southern California, that can affect an entire region of homes. And so that could bankrupt a private insurance company. So that's why private insurers don't cover those types of things, because if something catastrophic were to happen, they'd have to pay out all this money at once and they probably wouldn't be able to cover all of the insurance risk there. So things like flood insurance and earthquake insurance, flood insurance specifically is handled by the, by the U.S. government, the, the federal government.
0: So I have a clarifying question because my basement flooded a few years ago and my insurance did cover it. And there were a whole bunch of other basements on my block and in my surrounding community that also flooded. Is there a difference between like basement flooding from a backup versus like flooding that is a, at a catastrophic level.
1: Yeah. When they talk about flooding and earthquakes not being covered, they mean like natural disasters. Okay. So not like your sump pump failing and your basement flooding that way.
2: Okay. But then you said natural disaster. So what about tornadoes?
1: Yeah. Those can often be covered on your insurance plan, but that's like you said, there's lots of actuaries. There's statisticians who do all this risk. So they determine what's acceptable to cover and what isn't, but earthquakes and floods are two Things specifically that private companies have deemed to be too risky to cover
0: i think this brings up a valuable point which i think we repeat on every episode read that fine print guys so you know what's covered on your insurance and i'm gonna have to go read mine to make sure that i understand the flood
3: coverage or can ask questions
1: Yes, you can always reach out to your insurance provider and and ask them questions. So to get back on track a little bit, Patrice, uh, are you required to purchase homeowners or renter's insurance?
3: They are not legally required in any state, but mortgage lenders are allowed to require their borrowers to purchase coverage. Most lenders require proof of homeowner's insurance before closing on a mortgage. Also, some landlords may require an individual to carry renter's insurance in their lease, which is perfectly legal.
2: Like we said before, we're kind of hitting some different topics today. So we could talk about each of these probably for an hour on themselves, but we're just trying to give you the overview. So we're going to switch gears over to life insurance now. So Patrice, what is life insurance and why do people get it?
3: Life insurance, again, is a contract between a policyholder and an insurance company where the insurance company promises to pay a sum of money in exchange for a premium upon the death of an insured person. People purchase life insurance to replace income for their dependents, to pay funeral and burial costs, to create an inheritance for heirs. Mm and to pay estate taxes so that their heirs won't have to liquidate other assets. It can also create a source of savings.
0: I know there are two main types of life insurance, which you kind of alluded to, term and whole life. Can you explain the differences between those?
3: Whole life insurance is a type of permanent life insurance. It stays in effect your entire life and has consistent premiums. And uh, it accumulates a cash value over time. Term life insurance is generally the cheapest and the most common option. It provides coverage over a specific term period. Policies expire after a set number of years, usually between 10 to 30 years. And it does not build cash value. But you may be able to renew or convert to whole life with some policies.
1: That's good. It's good to know the difference between, you know, the whole life insurance policies uh, and the term life insurance policies. Those are definitely a big difference there between whole life, which is if you keep the policy, your entire life is guaranteed to have a payout at the end of the policy versus term life, which has an expiration date, which is not always guaranteed to pay out. Let's talk about a little bit about the process of getting life insurance. Patrice, does someone have to come evaluate you if you sign up for a life insurance policy? Uh, what would they do in that evaluation?
3: So life insurance companies use a process called underwriting to determine your eligibility for a policy. Each company has different ways of assessing your risk. Some are more involved than others. Most companies ask you to complete certain steps to determine if you qualify for their life insurance policies. A typical process could go something like this. You go online or over the phone and you request a quote. After the quote, you speak with an agent to go over your medical history and other factors that might affect your life insurance quote. After you choose a policy, you complete a full application that will provide the insurance company with all of the information they need to approve. Some companies do require you to undergo a medical exam to determine your eligibility and finalize your rate. You can choose the time and place for this exam, And a qualified nurse will come to you. I can attest to this. I've had one of these. It's usually very quick and simple and takes about 30 minutes. The insurance companies will then review your application and assess your insurance risk. Very important to know, because I've outlined a lot of steps, you can can always ask the company how long the entire process will take.
2: So for people who may be listening and like, I don't want somebody to come to my house to do this. This seems crazy. I, I, you guys can't see, that Andrea is like, her face is like, yeah, that's me.
0: <laughs> I've actually had someone come to my house, Okay, but we're still in a pandemic.
2: Nah, <laughs> we're still in a pandemic. We are still in a pandemic. So if, if you're listening, you're like, I need to do this you know, take the necessary precautions, please wear your mask. And, but, uh, it does seem weird at first. I know for me personally, when I first heard about this, I was like, I didn't realize this, but Hey, this is what it is. So Patrice, are you required to have life insurance?
3: No, you are not. But one of the reasons to buy life insurance is to cover the financial impact of an unexpected or untimely death. Life insurance also can be one of many ways you plan for the future. The research shows that a little over half of Americans have some type of life insurance.
0: And some people Choose to do term insurance because they anticipate that they will have enough money in savings at, by the time of their death to cover any of the costs and they won't have as many liabilities. It is usually particularly important for people that may have small children to care for in the event of their untimely death to make sure that they are financially taken care of if something would happen to their caregiver. So there's lots of reasons to get life insurance. You may evaluate what you have access to through group memberships, through an employer, through affiliations. And again, comparison shopping is a very valuable way to approach life insurance, if that's something that you think would be valuable for your family. Along with talking about life insurance, what are life insurance riders, Patrice?
3: Life insurance riders are extra benefits you can buy to add on to a life insurance policy. So some of the most common ones might be accidental death, long-term care, guaranteed insurability, and return of premium riders. And on the topic of life insurance, I I also want to mention that one of the consumer resources we provide at the Illinois Department of Insurance is a life insurance policy locator. We can help you find a deceased family member's lost life insurance policies. This year alone, we've helped consumers collect more than $3 million.
2: That's amazing. I I did not know that. That's impressive. I also know from my time at the Illinois Treasurer's Office that some people may have never known that their spouse or their parents had life insurance. And for whatever re- reason, the life insurance policy actually wound up in unclaimed property. And so I know that the treasurer's office has has also paid out, not like paid out the policy, but like given money to the benefactors who may not have ever known. Um, I know, for example, I actually have to make a phone call. It was one of my favorite moments at the treasurer's office. She was Little old woman, and her husband had left a life insurance policy to her, and she had no idea for years and years he had passed away, you know, several years ago, and she didn't know. And so this money was in her name in unclaimed property, and it was not a small amount of money. And I called to tell her, like, this is legit, you need to fill this form out. And she was like, Honey, my husband didn't have that type of money. <laughs> and so we had to like assure her like no this is this life insurance policy so yes so check with DOI Department of Insurance and also the Illinois Treasurer's Office.
0: I think that also highlights how important it is if you have a life insurance policy to communicate it and make it part of your estate planning communication plan and I know it's hard to talk about because you're talking about death but We should probably do a podcast just on like how to communicate your estate plan to your loved ones.
1: Yeah, those are some uh, incredible resources with the the Department of Insurance and uh, the Illinois Treasurer's Office. But, you know, life insurance, I'll just say that life insurance isn't, you know, just for people who are maybe in the later stages of life thinking about death. But uh, it's for everybody too. I have previously had term life insurance as someone who holds like student loan debt um, in case something happened to me that my parents would be able to pay off that student loan debt. And in addition to the cost of you know, funeral expenses and those type of things. So it's, it's not just for um, people in the later stages of, of life to think about. And, and like Andrea said, it's important to a state plan. Um, and it's a very important part of that too. But I know that we've thrown a, a lot of information at our listeners all at once today. So Patrice, if people have more questions about auto, home, renters, or life insurance, where could they go to learn more?
3: To reiterate, you can always call your agent or insurance company. You can always reach out to them and ask questions. You can also visit insurance companies' websites. Many of those websites have really valuable information about coverage. Of course, you can reach out to the Department of Insurance. You can reach us by email or phone. Our email is doi.infodesk at illinois.gov. And our consumer assistance hotline toll free is 866-445-5364. You can also visit our website at insurance.illinois.gov. We have a vast amount of neutral, objective insurance information right at your fingertips on our website. And we are here to serve.
0: I love the unbiased information. So we'll make sure to put all your contact information that you've talked about in the show notes.
2: And I think it's really important for our listeners to also realize that the Illinois has a department of insurance. I'm sure some people don't even, not even some, most people don't realize that Illinois has this department and they are focused on helping you and they are regulating the insurance industry to make sure they're following the rules that they're supposed to be following. And like Andrew said, no bias. You could call them. They could help you kind of sort through all the different information. So make sure you use this resource because it is there. There is no cost to somebody to call the Department of Insurance to ask for help. So like Andrew said, we'll make sure all the contact information is in the show notes, but they're a resource that you should really use. So, all right. Well, thank you, Patrice, um, for coming on today. Insurance is definitely one of those topics where there will never be enough time to discuss everything and there are always more questions, Um, but we hope that this helped provide some clarity regarding a few of the most popular types of insurance.
0: I want to echo Nikki and say thank you again, Patrice, for joining us today. And to our listeners, make sure you join us next time where we're going to be talking specifically about health insurance, which is its own thing which is why we're doing a podcast just on health insurance so if you have any specific questions and i mean we'll do our best you can email those questions to studentmoney at uillinois.edu and we can try to address those questions in the next episode on health insurance we'll do our best
1: Yes. Thank you, Patrice. And as always, to listeners, remember to subscribe to the podcast, which is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And be sure to share with your family and friends. Thanks for listening.